Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good to be here. Uh, certainly um, missed you last week, um, but I thank you all for for uh, being so gracious and uh, um, just uh, giving my, uh, my my friend and colleague, uh, Pastor Andrew Day, uh, just a, a warm welcome. And I know that uh, he enjoyed the time here. He said that it felt like it was home, and he had never been here before. And so, thank you everybody for uh, for being the church and uh, for welcoming him as he came and preached last week. This week we continue this series, and I'm excited to to talk about uh, the the concept. Of, of what it means to engage in this um, Who's Your Plus One series, what it means to engage in, in relationship and in, in, in unity together, what it means to engage in, in relationship within the context of the body of Christ. Uh, recently, I was given a project. It was actually an activity, uh, an assignment where I had about an hour, uh, no more than an hour at least, to take, uh, to identify and to gather 15 photos that uh, illustrated my life, my story. And I will tell you, at first I thought, how am I going to find 15 photos? And then as I began to look through my photo reel over the past several years and beyond, I recognized that it was going to be more difficult to narrow it down to 15 photos. I encourage you, if you have time this week, to take a few moments maybe with your friends or family to, to try to do this activity. It is kind of fun, and then it, the best part is, is taking the time afterwards to, to share what each photo represents, what it means. But one of the things that I recognized uh, through those 15 photos is th- a third of them, five of the photos, were actually individuals who had poured into my life were people that had poured into my life, who had been uh, instrumental as mentors in my life, who had been people who put aside any agenda they had, who'd put aside the things that they may have wanted to do, the, 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 the schedules, all those kind of things, and said, I, I believe in you, God's put you in my life, and I want, to, I want to help or I want to mentor you. And certainly God has done this throughout Scripture. He's revealed many different illustrations there. We see it throughout uh, history, throughout Christian history. Perhaps you've even seen it in your own life. God places people in our lives to to pour into us, to to be the hands and feet, to be the mouthpiece of Jesus so that we might experience him in a deeper way through relationships in, in this world. One individual specifically that was on that list for me, there was a photo of the two of us um, together. Uh, His name is Levi, and he was one that uh, was my mentor and still my mentor to this day. One of the things that I, or several things I recognize from him is he has a posture of humility. He is intentional about everything that he says and he does, and he has the desire, ultimately, to see me grow in my faith, not just in leadership or in pastoral ministry care, whatever it might be, but to see me grow in my relationship with Christ. And for us, as uh, coaches or parents or teachers or maybe older siblings, whatever role we have in authority over someone else, that's God's heart for us, is to be his, be his hands, to be his feet. Previously, a couple weeks ago, we looked specifically in a series, or in a sermon, we talked about being the learner, being the one who gets mentored. Today, we're going to look specifically at what it means to mentor others and to explore the posture and also the action of mentorship. A key verse we're going to look at is from Paul. It's in 2 Timothy 2, 2. It reads like this. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. He's speaking of the gospel at this point. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people 
who will be able to pass them on to others. And I will say this right now. I am glad that these were not empty words that were heard. I am glad that they were not words that went in one ear and out the other. Instead, I'm glad that these words were actually lived out. They were taken and they were done because we get to experience the gospel today. Because people, they grasped the, 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 the trustworthy words. They grasped the gospel and they passed it on to those that were around them, that were before them. And we still have that same mandate, that same call today. We ask the question, who are you mentoring? Who are you pouring into us or into all of us have someone that we teach. All of us has someone that we can share. We all have something that we can share. And certainly as we look at this uh, concept today of mentorship and the tech issues continue with this microphone I'm wearing today. So I will try not to be distracting there. What could be more distracting than taking five minutes to talk about it? I don't know. <laughs> Figure that out. But in any event, a series recap of who's your plus one is that we can impact the people around us. In fact, God created us to impact the people around us. And so the question today, it'll be rhetorical to start, but you're going to have a chance to answer it at the end. Who are you mentoring? Who are you mentoring and how are you mentoring them? How are you pouring into them? Because oftentimes we mentor people, maybe it's informal, Oftentimes we mentor people and we share things that may not be specifically, even when we look back on it and reflect what we wanted to share. But in essence, through our life, through our words, through our actions, through our investment, we mentor other people. We're going to look at the mentorship of Christ today. Certainly the greatest example we have, it's from the Gospel of John, chapter 17. If you want to open there, I'm going to just kind of give you a short summary to start this and to kind of put this passage into context. Chapter 17, John is recording Jesus's words. In fact, he's in the middle of this long prayer, and Jesus is praying specifically for himself. He's praying for the disciples. He's praying for all believers. And John records these words, certainly for those that are reading in the first century church, but also for us today because he recognizes the impact that these words can have on us and can have on all people as they embrace Christ's call, as they embrace the prayers that Christ puts forth. And so in chapter 17, particularly today in verse 6 through 19, we see that Jesus prays for his disciples, those that he is mentoring, those that he is pouring into, those that he is, is trusting with the truth, the gospel. He's highlighting the key postures and attitudes. He's highlighting the attributes that are to be practiced by a mentor and what it means to truly pour into other people in a way that God mandates, in the way that God calls, the way that God encourages us to do so. So let's take a look at this passage. I'm going to read through it, and then I encourage you to keep your finger there. If you've got your Bible with you today, we, uh, we will have it on the screen as well, but I'll keep your finger there so that you can continue to reference back to it as we go. Chapter 17 and verse 6, and it reads like this. I have, revealed you, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They are yours. You gave them to me, and they, are, they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and the glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that, you, so that they may be one as we are one. 
While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be, would be fulfilled. In this passage, Jesus is he's, he's calling out on the name of, of God. He's uh, God the Father. He's praying to God the Father in recognition of the relationship that they have. And he's also stating, here are the things that I've been faithful to, the things that I have done, and so doing have given this, not only this example, but I've given this, this call to those that I pray for. Verse 6, starting right out in the first half of verse 6, 6a, reads like this. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. His prayer starts specifically. The first half of this verse even starts with the priority of the mentor, the main priority of the mentor. And the point is this, the chief priority of the mentor is to point others to Jesus. His whole call, Christ's call in this case, was to point them towards God, God the Father, and in so doing, passing the, the mantle to the Holy Spirit, which we now have today, which we sang about today, which we sing in the presence of, which we sit in the presence of right now, is to point others towards God, point others towards Christ. In fact, that's our life song as believers, not just in the mentorship role, but in all aspects. When we have the authority or we have the opportunity to pour into anyone else, the call of God is to bring forth an opportunity for them to experience the same joy, the same gift, the same love that we've experienced. This is the goal. This is the way that we do it. This is the authority we've been given. It's yielded by the Savior. And that's the reality that we see here as well. Christ himself was God. He was God the Father, or he was God the Son, uh, get, sent by the Father. He had uh, you know, human nature, but he also had uh, godly nature. And so in this specific respect, he had authority over all things. But because of his love for you and I, he sacrificed all things. He sacrificed this authority. He laid this authority down. Not, it wasn't taken from him, but he laid it down at the foot of, of, the, of those beyond him, those of the world. He laid it down to go to the cross in humility. Because his goal certainly wasn't about himself. It wasn't about what he could gain. It was about giving towards the one who sent him. In fact, John, 10, John chapter 10, verse 18 reads like this. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. Again, the chief priority of the mentor is to point others towards Jesus. And we use every part of what we do, every part of us, to point people in that direction. Mentors are to reveal God through their words. Certainly our words matter. You know, the things that we say matter. The things that we don't say matter. We use every part of us. In fact, our actions, you know, they speak louder than words. But guess what? Our words, they still speak. The things that we say can really impact the people around us. The things that we, we say in, in, in anger, or the things that we say in joy, the things that we say in celebration, the things that we say in encouragement, those things matter and can impact the people around us. We reveal God through our actions, how we invest our time, our talent, and our treasure. And I tell you, the things that, that we invest our time in, the things that we, in, that we say this is important through the, the way that I, I, I use my time, that's going to speak volumes to the people around us. Think about the, 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 the attitude and the things that were placed within you as you grew up. 
The, the, the roles that your parents or that, that your guardians had in your life, the things that they deemed to be important, they spent their time on, whether it be uh, at work or whether it be with, with, with relationships or maybe some kind of a, 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 a hobby, whatever it might have been, sports, whatever it could have been, music, those things, they become a priority. And you see that. You, you, you bring that into your own life as an understanding of this is what's important. And the things that weren't there, the things that weren't, that time wasn't invested in, those become unimportant. Your talent. You know, God has, let me just say this. You probably have heard this before, but you, everyone in here matters. Everyone in here was created uniquely. Everyone in here was created with at least one gift of the Spirit. And because of the fact that you have that gift, God has granted you the opportunity to proclaim his name by using that gift. And there may be a number of different gifts and and different seasons to which you use those gifts and different places you use those gifts. But God has created you with gifts. He's given you the opportunity, the talent to be able to step forward and say, I'm going to use this for God. Or because he loves us so much, he's granted us free will, we can use it to glorify self. And then finally, treasure. Certainly God has given us so much. He's given us the the things that we own, so to speak, but he's given us many different things throughout life. And the call there is certainly not, let me take everything that I have and go bring it to the temple or bring it to the church or or give it to a a missionary or parachurch organization or give it all away. Maybe for you, that is the call, but the call is in whatever we have and however we invest it, that we do so in a way that honors God. And those things speak to the people around us. And then finally, we, we reveal God through through our mentor, or to, to the people that we mentor through our lifestyle, the non-intentional teachings that take place. Can I tell you, oftentimes our things are uh, caught rather than taught, which means that it's not necessarily within the classroom setting that we learn different things, but instead it's through the lifestyle of the teacher. One of the coaches that I had growing up in, in, uh, in middle school and in elementary school was a great coach. He taught us everything that I knew about soccer. There wasn't YouTube back then where you got on and you could watch the drills. There wasn't any of that stuff. Instead, when you, when you learned it, it was from your coach or it was maybe from watching another game. But I learned so much through my coach about soccer. But can I tell you, I learned so much more about life through my coach than anything else. Now, side note, my coach was my dad, so I got another taste than everybody else got. But I learned a lot about life, and I learned a lot about what it meant. And I could tell you what he taught us on the field through his attitude and everything else. It matched up with what I learned at home. That matters. You know, there's different parts of our lives, and certainly there are things in our life that we may keep, you know, quiet. There's things that we have that are public-faced. There's things that we have that that are private, that are internal. And what God calls us to do is to take all of these things... In every aspect, in every way, in every part of our life, and and even in the places where we struggle, and to bring those to the forefront and allow them to be a life song to point others to Jesus. Now, we're just halfway through this first verse, and I can can assure you we're not going to do this the whole way through, but we're going to stop and and look at the second half of verse 6 as well, because it's just as important. It says, they were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Second half of verse 6 is just as profound. This second half reveals the, the, the way that the first half is even possible. This is the calibrator, so to speak, of how the first half actually takes place. And the point is this. Those we mentor are God's beloved masterpiece. The people that are under your care, the people that God has granted before you to, to mentor, or to have authority over, to, to be able to pour into, those people, they're not yours. They're God's. 
They're his masterpiece. Have you ever thought of the person around you, the people around you, as, as a, the lives around you as a gift from God? Have you ever thought of the people around you as an image bearer of God, that person that, man, I can't believe the light turned green and they didn't gun it and get through because I got somewhere to be, right? That person in the car in front of you, that's an image bearer of God. Can you think about this for a minute? The, 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 the people that, that sit next to you right now, the people that are in the seats next to you right now, whether you know them or not, they're a gift from God. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person next to you. I want you to tell them you are a gift from God. Go ahead. I heard some of you kind of leaning in. You wanted to hear that. That's good. All right, now I want you to turn to the other person, your second place person that didn't get to hear that, the person who, who didn't get to hear. Tell them that you are a beloved masterpiece of the king. Tell the other person. Now think for a second about the fact that we have the responsibility, but we also have the opportunity to have influence over people who are a beloved masterpiece of God. I mean, the bar is high. The, the, the importance of this opportunity and this role is so high, but the reality is we don't have to do it alone. The only goal, the chief, the priority, remember, is just this, to point them towards Jesus. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the books of the Bible memorized. You don't have to have all the perfect prayers. Instead, God just says, use your time, use your talent, use your treasure, your words, your actions to point them towards the most high God. Because he's the one that can do it anyway. He's the one that brings forth the truth anyway. I remember specifically, I've got three children. I remember specifically when we had our first child, it was a daughter. I was so excited. It was such an amazing opportunity. It was a, an amazing experience. And I remember uh, the last day that we were in the hospital, they were getting ready to discharge us. And we're sitting there with this new baby, new parents. And my wife probably was a lot more uh, excited than I was. I thought, okay, they're giving us this life. No manual. And I'm going to walk out of here with this baby. And I thought to myself, wow, I, I have been discharged from the hospital with my wife. We came in two people, we're leaving three, and all of a sudden, there's this new responsibility, this gift that's been placed in our arms, this masterpiece of God to train and to protect and to guide. And can I tell you, sometimes spiritually, that's what's placed in our arms, maybe at work or at school or with our roommates or, or maybe with a child. Somebody, God is putting someone in your arms that is spiritually is a total infant, a baby, and they have you as the person that's going to pour into them to reveal to them, to protect them, to show them, to direct them, and to guide them to the foot of the cross. That's a high call, but it's a worthy one, and it's an exciting one. And it's not one that we do alone. It's one that we do through the power and the, and the provision of the Holy Spirit. Verses 7 through 9 read like this. I'm going to jump through it again. It reads like this. It says, now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. We don't, we don't do it alone. In fact, it comes from God. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. I'll just, I'm going to pause. This is in my notes. I'm just going to pause. I, I was so blessed um, this past week, we, we, were, we were here in this space. Many of you were here for, for a funeral. And there were several people that came up to share at that funeral, celebrating the life of, of the departed. And one of the people that came up afterwards told me, actually, I heard it from her husband. I talked to her again this morning. She said, I don't even know where the words came from the Holy Spirit gave them to me. Anybody ever been there before? Where the Spirit just gave you the words in the right time because of your faithfulness and your willingness to step forward? He does that. He grants those gifts. 
I mean, I, I, from time to time, I will leave the platform and some of, someone will come up to me and say, hey, I was so blessed by this thing that you said. I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. Because the Holy Spirit has a way of communicating in a way that we can't. His language is far deeper than our mere English language or whatever language we speak outside of this space. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. And if they're children of God, that means that they are our brothers and sisters. If they're children of God, that means that it's not just about them being somebody that we look after, that we look over, but instead they are our brothers, they're our sisters. They're not subordinates or servants, they're equal in the eyes of God, but we still have the responsibility to pour into them. And the heart of a godly mentor is one that recognizes one's place in the kingdom of God, humbly stepping forward and being God's hands and feet. When we view people as God does, it changes our perspective. When we view the people around us the way that God does, it changes our perspective. We view people with grace. We view people with the recognizing that, hey, you know what? You don't have it all together. Guess what? I don't either. But God still loves me just like he loves you. God still loves me the same way that he loves you because there's nothing that we can do, nothing that we can say that can cause him to love us less or cause him to love us more. And so the reality is that we can see people with grace in the same way that God views and sees each one of us. We're able to give grace in the midst of personality clashes or frustrations or the wrongdoing of others. You know, I've heard people talk uh, specifically about being hurt by other believers, hurt by, the, by Christians, hurt by the church. And I, I recognize this as a real thing. I know there are people that are hurt by, by other believers. I know there's people that have turned their back on God because of the relationships they've had with people in the church that have been difficult. Can I tell you things aren't always going to be perfect? Can I tell you that relationships within the church might even be harder than relationships we have with others in the world because there's a spiritual battle at play? And the evil one knows that if he can separate and he can sever and he can divide relationships within the church, then he can divide God's kingdom. He didn't care about relationships with people that work at, a, at Walmart. He didn't care about that as much. He cares about relationships within the context of the body of Christ. And I'm not just talking about this church, this local church. I'm talking about all churches. And the reality is that Satan wants nothing more than to divide and destroy because he knows if he divides, then he can conquer. And so the reality is when we look at others with grace and we recognize, look, there are, there are things that we're going to not see eye to eye on. There's going to be faults. There's going to be other things around us. We need to express grace the same way, even towards those who may have, quote, hurt us. Christ continues to embrace the heart of a mentor by revealing what is taught. And specifically what is taught, what is the focus, is very key. Because the, the reality is that what Christ teaches us to do isn't simply just to live life haphazardly, to live life uh, unintentionally, but he calls, he calls us to step in. Verse 11 reads like this, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Three quick, quick keys of... of, of It's a dangerous. This one might go off too. We'll see. If it does, then I'll just say amen and we'll be done. First focus of a mentor is this. Mentors recognize the plight of those they mentor. 
Mentors recognize the plight of those they mentor. Right here, Christ is stating, I am going to leave. And think about this for a moment. We do have the presence of the Holy Spirit on this planet, but we live in a post-Christ world, which means Christ has ascended into heaven. He is gone. And so therefore, the plight of many that we engage with is in, in all realities, in all respects, is that they don't have Jesus in this world, figuratively and quite literally. We're living in a world of darkness, a world that does not have Christ among us. And so therefore, when we live in that world, we recognize the issue to which those that we engage with have. I recently read a, a book by, uh, by Beekner that talks about these three keys to the world. And specifically, the first one is tragedy. The second one is grace. And the third one is fairy tale. And that tragedy is where most people, they reside. That's where most people live in the darkness, in the brokenness. And the heart of the believer, the heart of the mentor, is to bring them into a place where they can experience and they can recognize grace. They can recognize the goodness of God and then they experience what Beekner calls, uh, just a, in, a, in more of a, a silly term, fairy tale. Which means there is a, quote, happy ending. Which we all know may not, may not exist on this planet, but it does exist in eternity. The second thing is this, mentors recognize the power of the name of God. Here we, we see Jesus talking about how powerful God is. The power doesn't come from us, but it comes from God alone, not in and of ourselves. The power of, of the name of God is one that, that speaks into the heart and the lives of people. It, 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 it casts out Satan, it counts, casts out evil and demons and brings forth reconciliation, transformation, and new life. And then finally, the third one is this. Mentors recognize the need for unity within the body of Christ. I'm going to leave it here with this statement. You can't love God and hate others. You can't love God and hate others. And so this recognizing brings something new to us. You may have heard of this guy named Paul. He wrote much of the New Testament. He was a missionary. He was one that, that certainly was, was first and foremost ready to, to charge forward in any way possible to, to share the gospel, whether it landed him in prison or, or certainly whether it had a, a physical effect on his life in a negative way. But Paul wasn't always this way. He had this same attitude, but he didn't always have this same zeal for sharing the gospel. Instead, his name used to be Saul. And when his name was Saul, he was a Pharisee. And not only was he a Pharisee, but he was a Pharisee that chose in every aspect, in every way, to go out of his way to eliminate what was called the way at that time, or those that were Christ followers. And not just to eliminate them by putting them into prison or telling them to stop what they were doing, but he would literally kill followers of Jesus. And then one day he's traveling, he's, he's on the road, he's traveling, and, and he saw a bright light. And through this recognition, he fell to the ground. He heard a voice, and this voice actually asked him, Why? Why do you persecute me? And he maybe recognized at the time, he, asked, he said Lord as his response, so maybe he knew it was Jesus. We don't ex exactly know. The, the, the passage doesn't really tell us in Acts chapter 9, but it, we do recognize at that point that this was a turning point, a new recognition for one of the lost. He was blind for three days. And then he was brought to this house, the house of Ananias. And Ananias, in, 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 in his reluctance, was willing to meet with this guy that he thought, well, this could be a trick, but I'm willing to, be, to, be, to say yes to God, to step forward in what he's called me to do. And after he ministered to him, Saul, now Paul, 
had something like scales fall from his eyes and he was able to see things with new recognition. And this concept of mentorship, this focus of what God calls us to do is not simply what can I do, what can I get out of this, what is, what is the, 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 the authority that I can have over others. Instead, it is all about what Christ demonstrated and what he spoke of, which is to lay down the authority we have at the foot of the cross and allow God to work in and through us to bring light into this world. Christ demonstrated that in many different ways. One of them we recognize today, and we're going to engage in in just a moment as we transition into a communion service. Verse 12 reads like this once again. It says, while I was with them, I protected them. And I kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so the scripture would be fulfilled. And here we get this picture of Jesus sitting around the table with his disciples, all of them, including the one he knew was going to deceive him, the one he knew that was going to be, uh, as it states here, doomed to destruction. But he did so with the recognition of love, of grace, so that he might pour into them in a way that says, it's not about me, but it's about the Father. It's about bringing you, each one, to the foot of the cross. In just a moment, I'm going to pray over the elements and pray over us as we consecrate the elements in this time together. In just a moment, the ushers are going to come, and as they do, they're going to take the plates, they're going to pass them, and as, as the plates are passed, the, the, uh, the way that these are designed, there's a handle on either side, and the purpose of that intentionally uh, and originally was so that you could serve the person next to you, recognizing that that's what God calls us to do, is to serve each other. At the same time, in this concept of mentoring, it causes us to step forward and say, I serve you humbly as the Spirit, as Jesus served me. And so as the plates are passed and you, you take a wafer and, and a cup, I encourage you to hold on to that and to reflect upon God's goodness in your life, but also to reflect upon who he might have placed in your life that you can mentor. Who is in your life right now that you can share the gospel with, not as an authority figure, but someone that you can share humbly what God has done for you. After everyone's received the elements, We'll, uh, we'll, we'll partake of those together. We'll take a moment to engage in the communion moment together. One thing I will say as well is that we practice what's called an open table, which is what the Spirit calls us to do. And that means that you don't have to be a Wesleyan to take uh, today. Instead, uh, we just ask that you're a follower of Jesus. And oftentimes what takes place specifically on this Sunday is we also reveal the fact that it's not exclusive because you can be a follower of Jesus today. You can be one who says, God, you know what? I, I, I've heard your name before. Maybe I, I used to know about this. I went to Sunday school as a kid. Or, you know, this, maybe this is the first time you've ever even stepped into a foot of a, and, and you step your foot inside of a church. But what I will say is this. God, he doesn't barge his way in. In fact, Romans Excuse me, Revelation 3.20 says he stands at the door and knocks. And he waits for you to open the door. He stands at the door of your heart and he knocks, waiting for you to say, yes, this is my moment. This is the time where I say yes to you. And today could be your time. His desire is to be your Lord and your Savior, which means he wants to, to lead and to guide you. Who better to do that than the creator of the world? But at the same time, he wants to be your sacrifice. He wants to be the one true sacrifice for all time, for all people, including you. Because we, not, we know, you and I probably have heard this before, that sin that we have in our life 
It separates us from God. It separates us from the will of God. And the only way to experience restoration, reconciliation, and salvation is by experiencing and allowing God to be the Lord and Savior of our life. And so today, I, I encourage you, maybe in this moment, you've, you've walked through this before, you've said a prayer before, but I encourage you today to reflect upon the moment to which you first said yes to Christ. And if you haven't done so today, this could be your moment. If you want someone to pray with you today about that, you can come up from one of the altars up front. I'd be more than happy to pray with you or maybe even raise your hand. If I can identify that, I'll, I'll come and pray with you as well or one of the other elders of the church could do so. But this is, this is a moment of reflection, but it's also a moment of transformation because God is still moving. It's not just about reflecting on what he's done a long time ago, but it's about what he can and still does in our midst today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time that we can come together as your church and reflect upon what it means to be your hands and feet, your mouthpiece, to be those that step forward and say yes to you in this time and any other. God, we pray right now for this time as we transition into a time of communion that this would not be simply a, a checklist where we just kind of move through. This is something we do each month. But instead, God, this is a time where we, we reflect upon who you are and what you've done in our lives. We're filled with your spirit by this means of grace so that we might grow and become more like you. God, I pray that you would help us, Father, to continue to, to step forward in, in, in obedience and humility to be your hands, to be your feet. Consecrate these elements, Father, so that when we consume them, when we engage in this moment together, it would be a time of glorification to you and edification to your church. We thank you, Father, for what you do. And we ask you to continue to move in this time and beyond. In your son's name that we pray. Amen. Ushers, as you come, I will mention this as well. If you have a gluten intolerance, we do have gluten-free wafers. Just make that uh, known to the ushers as they come by. We don't want anyone to miss out on this moment because of a dietary restriction.
Psalm 23, 5 and 6 reads that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the recognition of this passage, uh, this is David. He's speaking of the goodness of God. He's speaking of the provision of God and the way that God has in all ways, in all aspects, been so good to him. And there's a, a great reflection here as we recognize that Jesus is the one who brings fulfillment to the Old Testament. He becomes the one who is the prepared table. He becomes the one who is the anointing. He is the one who is the cup who overflows. He's the goodness. He's the love. He's the one that allows us the opportunity to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so as we embrace this moment, we recognize that the role of the mentor being one where our cup overflows. And that concept is an interesting one because Christ does the same thing for us through his blood. He actually makes it possible to allow us to have our cup overflow. The things that we are, the things that have filled us, overflow out of us because of the cup that he has poured and allowed each of us to drink from. Christ saw fit to pour into others first through this moment and through the action of what this moment actually represents, which is his sacrifice. He's demonstrating how it works and what it looks like. Jesus was mentoring these disciples, and this moment in practice of communion was somehow the, the final cramming for that final exam that they were about to take. And it's a good thing for them, maybe like some of us, that they got a retake on the whole thing because they didn't do real well the first time. But certainly as we come to the table, God brings forth opportunity for us to experience him time and time again, a reflection, a remembrance of what he's done and how it impacts our lives. And so he took these two elements when he was with the disciples and he said, this isn't a one-time deal. This is something I want you to remember, not just the action, but also the, the, the reality of what it represents, that Christ has come and died for you and for me and for all humankind. And so as he took these two elements, he started with the bread. He said, this bread, this represents my body, my body which will be broken as part of a sacrifice for all humankind, the one true sacrifice, the only sacrifice that is eternal because it comes from the one creator of all, the eternal being, Jesus Christ. You may take the bread. then took the cup and later in the meal stated the same this blood sacrifice is necessary necessary for all humankind take and drink in remembrance of me mentorship is eternal business because it has eternal implications there's a biblical mandate to step forward in it it helps grow the church and so here's the question and this time it's not rhetorical. You can answer it now. But I encourage you, if you don't right now, to answer it by the end of the day. Who are you mentoring? If you never thought about it in, in a practical sense or in, a, or in a formal sense, but who are you mentoring? Who are you pouring into? Who has God placed in your path to be the hands, the feet, the mouthpiece of Jesus with? I'm going to close this in prayer.
and then I have a short benediction. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your example, for your sacrifice. We thank you for your son, Jesus, because without him, we'd all be lost. We'd all be in the dark. We'd all be stuck in the tragedy, never experiencing grace, never experiencing that fairy tale of eternity. And so, God, we ask that you would move in our midst. We ask, God, that you would bring forth an opportunity for us to experience your goodness, to be your hands and feet. God, we pray that you would present people before us so that we might be able to pour into them in the way that you've called us to do so and the way that you've demonstrated. Thank you for your sacrifice, God. Thank you for sending your son to bring forth goodness and eternal life for each one of us. In your son's name that we pray. And all of us set together. Amen. 2 Timothy 2.2 And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Go this week with the recognition that God has, not only has he granted the opportunity, but he's called you to step forward as his representative to pour into his masterpieces within your context. Go on mission to be his hands, to be his feet, to be his light in a fallen and broken world. You're sent out. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.